Hey, what's going on, Washington Football X? It's your boy Rod, and we're back with another pod. Um, we got a special guest this evening. We are joined by number 88, the great Pierre Garçon. So y'all know who he is. Don't really need that much of an introduction. Uh, so, Pierre, thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining the pod. Give you a little bit of a round of applause, some cheers. Cheesy cheers, but that's what we do here. But, uh, yeah, before we kick off, we have a little bit of a history session that we we let Phil, the human computer, uh, at least go through uh, the, the Redskins great that wore a specific number. So this is pod 60. So, uh, Phil, uh, please uh, introduce the pod for us. Put man, Chris Samuels, number 60, six-time Pro Bowl left tackle for us, played from 2000 to 2009. He's part of that famous draft with LeVar Arrington in 2000, where he was picked number two overall. Uh, anchored one of the best running attacks in the league with Clinton Portis and Liddell Betts and everybody else we had back there, Stephen Davis for the first couple of years, um, you know, and, and was a key part of those two playoff runs we made in 2005, 2007 at left tackle. Uh, Chris Cooley will tell you he's one of the best that's ever done it, one of the best he's ever seen, and uh, he's definitely part of a long line of great left tackles that have played for Washington. No, de- definitely, man. So uh, shout out to Chris Samuels for sure, man. But, uh, Pierre, we're going to jump right in right now, and the question I have for you is life after football. Ellie had said before we hit record, hey, you're looking kind of young. You're looking, you know, <laughs> you can still get on the field and do your thing. Um, but, you know, before – I really jump in. I got to ask you because your agent let me know that you were coming from an engagement this evening. What's your best bowling score? <laughs> man. It better be good. My, my it got to be good, bro. Bowling <laughs> score is a 299. Oh, Ooh, really? Nah, no man, way. It hurts, but it's like something cool that, you know, more guys get 300 than 299, but 299 is my best bowling score. But um, in my league, I average about. 180 right now i'm trying to get it up because you know averaging 180 is like middle of the field i'm trying to get above 195 and try to stick there because you know that's you know that's a different number when you say you average at 190 you know 195 but but it's coming if i get 180 if i get 180 bowling i'm probably talking shit to little kids (laughs) in the bowling alley because i suck like I, I'm chest, I'm chest bumping, I'm pumped up if I do that. Um, but that, no, that that's awesome. Two ninety nine. I mean, three hundred's a perfect score in bowling. So that's, yeah, that's oh, that that does sting. I I get you there. I definitely do. But beyond that, you know, business wise, what what are you doing these days as well? I, I kind of want to give you a chance to plug. Um, oh yeah, I'm definitely starting a brand. Um, I've seen a lot of brands grow while I was in the league. You know, a lot of guys from Battle Under Armour when I was in college. I remember Under Armour giving us cleats to wear and. Nobody wanted to wear them, and so they just kept pushing, kept pushing. That's why I decided to start. Decided to start now with my compression brand. It's called Speed Aid Compression. Our first product is uh, compression socks, but we will grow to more, more products. But uh, I, I wore compression socks. Uh, you know, I went to I played in the league for eleven years, and I wore compression socks in Indy, and I carried it over to DC and San Fran. But it was something that I was always wearing for flights, for games. The the trainers gave it to us for for flying because we had to fly all the time wherever we go and they're like hey this will help your swelling your 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 ankles and knees from swelling because the, the you know just the air pressure in there in the sky and it could cause blood clots and and it could cause a bigger issue than we need so wear these compression socks i was like yeah this is gonna help me i was the first to grab them and there was some good quality some bad quality and then i i was like all right um after i decided after i well, I'm not fixed 
um, literally done playing. But after, you know, I take my time off, I'm like, I can make a better quality brand. I kept wearing the socks. I wore them in the game. I wore them throughout, you know, the year. It just became part of my outfit, you know. So I, so I, just, I just created a better quality of it. And now we're trying to partner up with the with the with teams and with the NFL and, and get it out there. And we're on Amazon. We're happy about that. It's a it's a it's a different you know stepping stone in in way of getting there. But it, it's tough. But it's fun. I enjoy doing. It. I'm always into business. I, I used to have spin fire, so you know the business route is something that I you know I don't mind going. But it, it was fun. It's something that I, I I wore. Something that I know a lot about and. You know, when the doctor recommends it, you know, you're going to wear it. I, I, I had to wear it. I got comfortable with it. And it became part of my, you know, football uniform, became part of my, you know, flying attire. And, and I decided, hey, let's do something I know a lot about and keep pushing it. No, that, that that's awesome. And then I seen your Instagram where you guys were kind of soliciting feedback from mm-hmm. uh, some of the fans out there. And somebody said, like, I was going to I was going to comment and girls like military green. So, Pierre, please. I wear, I'm, I'm still active duty military, man. And um, yeah, we, it's funny you talked about the, the, the swelling and whatnot, because I wore my boots for about 14 hours a day last, uh, last week or so mm-hmm. down in Texas training with some uh, British soldiers. And I'm like, I'm showing my wife and I'm like, man, my legs are swelling. So hearing you testify, I need, it. I'm going to see you guys. So I have to, let me get your address after I'll send you some, you tell me the quality, you tell me the honest feedback. Cause that's, that's what makes us better. When hey, I, I already, I, you can't see it. I got a pair coming Monday. I ordered the 20, 30, 20 to 30 centimeter. I'm, I'm a former long distance runner. So I, I go through compression socks quite a bit. So I cannot wait to try these. I got the, the navy, the navy blue one. Please get because that's what makes us better because we need can't to, because I'm biased, you know, my friends are biased, but when we get honest feedback, we can make corrections and get better in the military color. It's coming. And I went to a military school when I went out first year in Vermont and, you know, I know what those guys go through and they're on their feet all the time. And then they had, they had to go to uh, um, PT in the morning and then go to football practice. So you guys get <laughs> your hats off commitment for all of that. That's, that's a tough, tough thing to do. Yeah. Oh, the, thanks, the, man. The, uh, the price points is, is, is perfect too. I'm going to tell you right now. It's a perfect, <laughs> perfect price point. I appreciate, um, I appreciate it. We got competition out there, but you know, they're a lot older than we are, but we're, we're growing, we're growing. That's, that's the, the happy thing about it, that we're moving in the right direction. Yep. And we'll, we'll plug it for you too, brother. Um, and, and best believe it. I'll, I'll send you guys some, the rest of you guys. Will do. Yeah, we'll and, do. And awesome. you best believe when we hit in 28 episodes will be episode 88. So you best believe you're going to know who that one's going to be about. So you might want to tune into that one. Hey, I come back on. I come back on. I come back on. That's um, awesome. So, so Pierre, you know, and you're, you've had a, a fantastic career um, and hopefully more years to play, but you played for, for Tony Dungy, uh, Jim Caldwell, you know, uh, Mike Shanahan, Jay Gruden, Kyle, so shoot it to us straight. Where did you feel the most home at on the field with like the system, the X and the O's? And then where did you feel most home at, you know, off the field with, with your, your life, life outside, you know, what your family's involved with, you know, both sides. So, so what, what's your opinion on that? I was crazy because I had different lives in the NFL, you know, growing up. And that's normal for any player in the NFL that spends 11 years in the NFL. You know, my first team was Indianapolis Colts and I was, fortunate to go into a system that was just, you know, hey, just fall in line, watch Reggie, watch Marvin, watch Dallas, watch guys that have done it and, you know, take from them and and just do what they do because you're here for a reason. Just watch these guys, they're professionals. 
do what they do. Tony Dungy, you know, there was not a lot of yelling and screaming. It, it was, you know, the system ran himself. You just fall in line. That was, you know, that was perfect for a guy coming out of D3 that, you know, wasn't forced into action right away and just, you know, hey, watch Reggie. Hey, watch Gonzo. Watch um, Marvin. Watch Dallas. Watch Jeff Saturday. Watch uh, Joseph Adai. A lot of veteran to watch to learn how to be a professional. And so it was comfortable. And in D.C., I was more of a leader or coming into with different leaders and it was younger, but it was still like, hey, you know, now you just have to be uh, self-sufficient self, you know, on top of your own self because you're a leader now instead of following you're setting the example. And that was my role in D.C. And I tried to play that role, try to set the role. It's harder, you know, when the team's winning, everybody falls in line. When the team's losing, you know, it's division. But that, that, that's just how life is. And then when I went to San Fran, I was more like a just – hey, um, you're a leader, help these young guys be ready for Sundays because, you know, they're going to, we're going to depend on them. You're not going to be here forever. Get these guys right. Get them focused on the playbook, get them focused on their body, get them focused mentally and, and, and you know, just help them. And, and that was easy because they did it for me when I was a baby. So it was like, hey, guys, study your playbook. Hey, this is going to be ready for this kind of a week. Be ready for that. And it was I was at home everywhere, but, you know, it, my roles changed, but it was fun because at the end of the day, we all just played football, and that's what I enjoyed doing the most. You know, at the end of the day, if things go bad, just hit a guy hard or block a guy hard or run a guy over, you know, get that anger out and get back to the focus on the job. Run you know, a guy play. over was something you were special at, man. You were a tough <laughs> oh, that, that was me taking my frustration out on defenders. I loved it, man. <laughs> taking my frustration out on defenders. That, that, was, that was my way of exerting the extra that was built up inside. And, and when you made that catch against the New Orleans Saints week one, 2012, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's still one of my favorite, favorite plays oh, in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Let me tell you, that snack, I mean, it was like fingertip, but you brought it and then you were gone. Man, um, it, it was it was memorable. Um, I can't believe I made the catch. I jumped off the wrong foot. It was just one of those plays. I knew it was coming to me. I had to get to where I was going. They had threw me the ball three times before that. I had got hurt before that, and it just all fell together. Like Josh Morgan hit the other safety where he got knocked off, and I just had to finish it. I actually hurt my foot on that play, uh, like five yards into it. It was it was five yards. Into going into the end zone, but it was a it, it was it was a memorable play. I remember just as just as well as everybody else, and there's the iconic picture of Robert on the ground, and that was his first touchdown. It was 88 yards, my number. <laughs> it was it was just all like it was like the perfect storm. Oh. And I'm happy we won that game too. Yes, yes. <laughs> Believe me, all of us were excited that that play I just we still talk about it like it's when you go back to those moments you have as a fan it's like that's one that that we all bring up it, it was very, um, it was very actually I will say this too I've been I've been live at the game for two of your other uh two other memorable moments you had I was at that Chargers game in 2013 where you made the two one-handed catches mm-hmm. uh in that overtime game I was at that one and I was also at the Philly game in 2015 in Philly when we clinched the division and you caught that touchdown in the end zone to ice it. Uh, so, and, and, and those are some standout moments, you know, just from my fandom that I got to be present for and you were That's involved awesome. in. Um, in there makes it a lot more fun too, especially, especially in Philly too, because those fans, oh man. <laughs> let you hear. Believe me, I got, a, I got a full beer chucked at me in, in the stands. I know exactly they what you're talking about. Let you, they will let you um, let me. 
let me ask you this because you know you're you're a receiver you came from Mount Union you you know went to a loaded Colts team you got to play alongside Reggie Wayne Marvin Harrison you came to DC you played alongside Sean Jackson so you've played alongside some really talented receivers and have stood out amongst them uh who would you say is the one receiver that you've played alongside with that taught you more about how to elevate your game above all the others you played with? Oh, that's easy. It was Reggie. Reggie was, um, he was just great at everything. He was, he wasn't the fastest, but he ran great routes. He was very deceiving in his route. He had great hands and, you know, he worked hard too. And that was the thing that, showed me how to be a professional. Like this guy would stay at the practice and catch the ball on the jug machine. He didn't need to, but he did it. Um, uh, he would stay after and work, you know, work on things that he knows is going to be called in the games on Sunday. So that, you know, he, he literally went over it mentally, went over it physically, and he's working at it. He taught me a lot, um, you know, and <laughs> luckily that's who I got to watch when I first got into the league. Um, but all the guys were special that I played with. Um, DJ, that man, he, he's super fast. He like he doesn't look like he's running fast, but he is moving and he can catch the ball and he can adjust to the ball wherever it's thrown. And he loves it. He's like, hey, coach, throw it deep, all right? And he and he gets excited to to. That's if you want DJ to run fast, okay, he won't run fast if it's any other route. But he's he's moving, but his fast and our fast is too different. You can tell when somebody's running hard. He's running fast, but he's not running hard. But when he it's a deep ball, he is turning it on. And you're like, damn, like, we didn't even know you had that much left in you because we thought you got overthrown. And he'd go get any ball that was out there. And it's like a test to him. Like, hey, you can't outthrow me. And he's he's <laughs> he's putting it on. <laughs> um, Marquise, I played with Marquise Goodwin. He was also a fast receiver. Um, Santana was, uh, was you know, I got a Santana in the end of his prime, but he was, you, you can tell that he was a take it to the house every time. Like, that was my mindset, take it to the house, no matter what, no matter where you catch the ball at, we're trying to take it to the house. And Santana was, I always watch Santana's highlight, and I stole the spin move. Um, his, uh, his boss. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I stole his boss because we were at practice one day. I was like, man, Tan, I used to watch you do this all the time because when, when I played against him against the Colts, he was spinning. I was like, damn, like he – you know, he put it on us and he's spinning the ball. And then I asked him, like, tell him why you don't spin the ball. And he's like, oh, man, you know. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then we were just doing it, just doing it. And then it just all of a sudden just caught on on game days and just just, just kept getting everybody hyped. But uh, Santana taught me a lot. And he he stayed committed to playing football. And, and he was, you know, a veteran, especially a veteran in the D.C. area because it takes a lot to last long in the D.C. market as a great player and he did it. So we definitely was a lot. I learned a lot from him. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to buy some socks too, man. I'm going to support the cause. I appreciate it, man. Uh, just give me the honest feedback and we, you yeah, know, sure. I'm going to make adjustments. I'm going to get it right. Cause uh, you know, nobody's yeah. in that um, compression sock space. And, and I warned it. I had to work because we had a lot of injuries in document in DC, my injuries. So, you know, I definitely lived by them and had to do everything to get my foot, my leg back to play on Sundays, which I didn't mind doing because I enjoyed playing on Sundays. For sure. But don't let that stop you from sending us some signed socks too, man. It's all good. We'll take those too. It'd be my pleasure. It'd be my pleasure. That's awesome. I like that. I like that. You started out your career with one of the greatest of all time, Peyton Manning. Did that make it harder for you to play with lesser quarterbacks as your career went on? Did it make it harder for me to play with? No, well, no, no, because 
I knew I got lucky. I was like, hey, you, <laughs> if Peyton say anything, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, it was like, hey, just learn from them and then try to communicate it to different quarterbacks, how receivers and quarterbacks should be on the same page. Because at the end of the day, we are, we are serving the quarterback because we want the quarterback to throw it to us. And even if he throws a bad ball or a good ball, we want to make him look good. So I'm like, hey, trust that I'm going to be there and just throw it. I'll make up the rest. You know, that's, that's what a receiver always goes by. Hey, if the quarterback throws it to you and it hits your hands, it's your fault that you didn't catch it. So it, was, it wasn't harder to play with lesser quarterback. It was just like understanding what your quarterback's strength or weakness is and trying to make his job easier because he's trying to make our job easier too. And, and when the quarterback's in the pocket, he's dealing with so much stuff that the receiver don't see that we're like, hey, why don't you throw a good ball? He's like, well, I had somebody on my leg, I had somebody on my shoulder, I had somebody, on my, you know, I had somebody all over me. Like, Damn, throw the ball good. But, you know, he's, he's like, hey, well, just throw it in my area. I'll figure out the rest. <laughs> and, you, know, you just have to, to, to help. And that's what the team's about, you know, just helping guys. How, uh, let, me, let me follow that up. How many throws did it take for you to figure out a quarterback wasn't really that good? It's hard to say a quarterback's not that good because, because you know, they're a quarterback for a reason. There's just different quarterbacks that throw it at different speed and at different moments, but and they're better at different throws. Sorry, my uh, I, li- I like your answer. This is very political, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's true because, <laughs> you know, you can't say a quarterback isn't yeah, good. You just have to say, you know, he struggles in certain things, and that's normal because there's receivers that struggle at certain things and yeah. receivers that are good at certain things. But it, it, it's, it's also the size of the ball is different from college, which makes a big difference because if you can't grip it, you can't throw it as, as you used to in college, which – Sorry, guys, my computer is uh, saying that it needs to be charged. Um, wow, 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 wow. I don't know why it keeps giving me notification. I plugged it in. Um, wow, sorry, guys. <laughs> good. Can you guys hear it? It's Microsoft, baby. We can, we can hear it, but it, it's good, man. All right. I plugged it in. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 the, the thing that you judge a quarterback from a receiver standpoint is the arm strength because – you can't really tell how fast the ball's coming in in the league because there's no stripes on it. When the stripes, when the stripes are going oh, wow. faster, you like, oh, he's throwing it. But in the league, you know, there's yeah. no stripes. So you just have to – you kind of notice it once you look at the ball a million times, um, how fast it's coming. But when it's wobbly, it's like, ugh, it's harder to tell. But when the ball hits your hands, you know how hard it came. And yeah. you, when when you when the quarterback consistently throwing it hard, you prepare for it because you have to have all alerts on. But when he throws it soft, you know it kind of, you know when he when he changes up his speed, it throws you off a little bit because you're anticipating the hard throw and then the soft throw comes. But you know you get used to it because the quarterback usually throws it the same way all the time, unless it's like a deep ball where you you can you know figure that out on your own. Yeah, dude, that that's that's some good insight for you know young wide receivers who maybe listen to this. A podcast. lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't, don't realize that. that. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't. I, I didn't realize that at all. But that that it, makes sense. So that's a good. <laughs> that's that's a good gauge. Obviously, in college, but the pros you have to adjust. Yeah, yeah. And in college, so the light cool. not college, but the league, the lights are on all the time, so the ball does go away and then come back. And you know, it, it, it's a lot of things that go into it, but. You know, that's that's our job. That's, you know, that's that's part of, you know, football and 
that's that's what makes us <laughs> special and, and different from college football because in college you can definitely judge it and then the lights the lights with no um, stripes and the lights it, it goes away and comes back that's mm-hmm. crazy man and then you got that's a defender that, and then you got a defender on you trying to make you drop it and then you got 60,000 people you know <laughs> in your ear but you you block all that out to to make the catch no, that, that's dope, man. Hey, so we're, we're obviously everyone knows we're in free agency right now. So, Pierre, you were a six-round draft pick in 2012. Well, not 2012, but you were a six-round draft pick, and then your first free agent payday came in 2012. You came to D.C. We love you. We embraced you. And then you got another payday again when you went to San Francisco in 2017. So the question I have for you is, as you look at the free agent wide receiver market, it starts to heat up right now. What are your thoughts on Curtis Samuel signing with the Washington football team? And what do you think he means for our offense? I like it. Um, I haven't watched Curtis Samuel that much because Carolina, they don't show their games as often in South Florida, which sucks. But, you know, there's a lot of teams that they don't show a lot, but that's how the NFL works. But I like it. Um, It definitely gives uh, another weapon on receiver um, in in the receiver room, which Fitzpatrick will need because, you know, the more weapons on offense, the better. The running game is solid. Um, I like it. Uh, shoot, the more receivers the league has turned to a passing league, so the more pass catches you have and a veteran quarterback, he definitely will make it happen, make their job easier as young receivers. So I like it a lot. Um, I think he will bring a lot. He's a he's a hard player. He he um, runs after the catch. He makes tough catches, and um, he's uh, part of Ron Rivera's system before I think. So that definitely helps yep. with uh, familiarity, familiarity, and um, you know I like it. The more receivers, the better, because the receivers love catching passes, and we have a quarterback that's not afraid to throw it. It's a it's a it's a beneficial asset to the to the to the roster. Now, b- before we kick to Steve, now you said more receivers are better. So as a competitor, did you truly like more receivers in the wide receiver room, or did that make did that make you work a little bit harder and try to stand out? Hey, addicts, I know you really want to hear that answer, but we'll be right back after this quick ad from Anchor. Nah, as a receiver in the league, you know, it it, it, it helps because you have more weapons. Defenses can't just log on to one person. And when they throw you the ball, you just have to catch it. They don't throw you the ball, it's not your fault. But when they do throw you the ball, you don't catch it. You're like, all right, I'm tripping. But when you have more weapons on the, as a receiver, it helps people get open when you have a veteran quarterback too, because he can look, he can make quick, quicker decisions. Younger quarterbacks have to look and make sure that you're not open, but veteran quarterbacks, they love it when they have more pass catching. It makes everybody go. Um, I grew, I came into the league with a lot of receivers on my, on my team. So I had to, you know, adjust to that real quick. And it, it's easy because you get the opportunity to catch the ball. You just have to uh, over, you have to, you know, accomplish it but when you don't get a chance you know you're just like hey just stay open because they watch film you just got to get open even if they don't throw you the ball uh, I, I think you got our notes man because that's a perfect answer that's going to segue to what steve's about to ask you man so go ahead. yeah that's right so so pierre ellie kind of hit on it and i got just straight up question i'm going to ask you a question i want to show you a 15 not even a 15 second clip of of, of something you did um who is your favorite quarterback to play for? You know, no, no love, no, no, you know, no harm. Just who, who did you enjoy playing for the most so far? It's hard to go against Peyton, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think you guys knew I was going to say that. <laughs> no, I can't argue with that. So I want to show you something you did on December 26th, 2015. Uh, you guys see the screen? Is that this game? You see the screen? Yes, yeah, we yeah. got it. 
Check it I'm out. I'm up there in that second deck. <laughs> Wait, this isn't the fun part. Excuse my, I'm a little emotional on the video, so. That's the touchdown catch I remember. <laughs> that's called right the in front that, of me. That's called the okie doke. So, Pierre, I just want to say that's my second favorite play you ever did. And that catch actually sealed the playoff hopes for mm. us, you know, mm. in, in that game. You guys were working them, and that just ended it. And then Deshaun after that was, you know, did his dirty bird and all that stuff. So, he yeah. He enjoyed playing against Philly and Philly. <laughs> yes. Yep. Go ahead, Phil. Um, I got to say this. All right, 2013, probably, is obviously, you know, your most memorable year production-wise. I mean, you you broke – a long-standing franchise record with 113 catches, breaking the the great, the Hall of Famer Art Monk, my my, my personal favorite player of all time as a kid. Uh, you broke his record of 108 catches from 1984. Um, tell me, I mean, knowing that you you broke a mark set by a Hall of Famer and by someone who's so revered by Washington, I mean, what was that like? What was that like to be able to say, man, I just took over, you know, took over, you know, this, this all world guy who everybody in this town loves. And I just broke his record. Damn. Um, and, you know, did you hear anything? Did, did Art reach out to you? I mean, you know, how, how was that? Uh, it was amazing. You know, when you're in it, when you're playing football, when you're in it, it's more like week to week instead of like records and um, year and year. Cause you know, every week is important and you, you just locked in, you, you lose track of your stats, you lose track of things until somebody reminds you and you're like, Oh, okay. I do have around that much yards. Oh, I, oh yeah. I'm in, in this much, but Art Mug is such a great guy. I remember watching him play. I remember, you know, not vividly, but like, I remember highlights of him. Um, and he, after I broke the catch and record, he came to Redskins Park and, um, you know, he, he, he met with me. He was like, hey, when I broke the record at 108, the, the lead, the guy that he broke it from, met with him at Redskins Park and had lunch with him and just, you know, passing on the torch or whatever, whatnot. So that was my first time really like meeting and hanging out with him. And, you know, he was a very nice guy, very, very cool. No craziness, just, you know, easy going you know, all about, you know, just love and respect. And, and I have to pass that on too when somebody else breaks the record, but it was awesome meeting him. He was a great player. A lot of, a lot of people love him. A lot of great, um, great players from him. And he is, you know, the best receiver to do it. He is a hall of famer. He, it, it was, it was an honor to meet just, you know, the human being, you know, not the football player, but he was just a, a great person and definitely carried that uh, record the right way. And I hopefully pass it on the right way too, because he, he, he showed me how to do it. Just like my leaders in front of me, Reggie, Marvin, those guys showed me how to do it in art, showed me, it's showing me, showed me how to do it. And, and it's a, it's a great thing to, to fall in line with those great players. That's awesome because, you know, Art's kind of, you know, he, he's not a real out there guy. Like he was never a guy who, who always kept his face out in the limelight. I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys from that era that are still constantly in the media, you know, mm -hmm. Riggin, Stockwalk, all those guys they are, you know, they're on the radio, they're on TV. Monk, someone who just like, he, he's kind of, he just lives a real quiet life. So I, awesome. I was wondering if you, you know, <laughs> if he had actually had a chance, if you, if he had met with you, you know, say congratulations mm -hmm. or whatever. So that's pretty cool. He was able to do that and, you know, kind of gives you the incentive to pass it on. If someone ever breaks your record. You know. Our records are meant to be broke. So, you know, it, it was fun. <laughs> it's fun, but he, I'm, I'm happy that he, he came in and spent some time and, and, and you know, he, he met with me and that was a, a memorable moment. That was really like, Oh man, you really did something, you know, 
something big because like you say it was it's been a record for a long time and never you know nobody just doesn't think about it or until it's in, in danger but he he showed me you know why he got the record and, and how to pass it on and i was i was happy to to get that experience that's awesome Pierre. Yes, we, we talked about 2012 a little bit. And for a lot of us, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast. It was such a great year. Then it kind of all kind of, you know, whatever, whatever happened. Did you guys like in, in the locker room, was were you guys aware that that was kind of coming apart the way it was like with the Robert situation? Or was it kind of like, we just got to stick together and go play and go ball out? No, you always got to stick together. Regardless of what goes on in the locker room, you have to, you know, leave that in the locker room and go play football because that's your number one job. Your job is to make plays on Sundays throughout the week. You know, things are always going to happen. You can't change. You can't, you know, focus on that. You have to keep playing. You know, unfortunately, Robert got hurt. There's decisions that need to be made. Everybody wants to play. You know, you can't, you know, you can't go against the coaches. Coaches got to make decisions. Players got to make decisions. Decisions got to be made. It was always tough decisions on Sundays or Saturdays or the day before the game, but you know, we always wanted to stay together to keep, you know, because we, like, you guys felt it. We felt it, too. We're like, hey, we actually got a chance. Like, we're, we're young, but we're still good. You know, we're competitive. We're competing. We're not laying down and getting beat. We're, yeah. like, you know, it's not going all the way 100% of the time, but we're showing flashes of potential. So we're like, all right, you know, to say we're going to win the Super Bowl 2012 is a stretch, but we were happy. We knew we were a playoff team. You know, so it was like, why, why are we trying? There's no reason to break it up. It's like, hey, just keep going because it's going to come. You know, one bounce of the ball, you know, we're, we have a different conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about this real quick, too. Everybody on this podcast is a minority, right, in some capacity. And I, I, we all talk about how we take pride in how we communicate, how we articulate things, especially in our workplace, because we feel a little bit of responsibility to do so. And being a minority, and I'm sitting here listening to you talk, and you're incredibly articulate too. Do you feel that responsibility to kind of handle yourself the same way, or is this just naturally what you do, and it's just kind of the way it goes? Or it's just natural. Um, I guess it's from learning languages. Uh, yeah. I speak Creole, speak French, uh, um, and also just communicating. I majored in communication in college, so it helps to you know speak clearly. I had a I had the craziest thing about it is in college I hated commute on public speaking class and now I had to do public speaking for a career. So I guess through the ropes I learned to get better at it. Yeah. <laughs> and when I'm talking to my friends, they kind of understand what I'm saying. And when I'm talking to people that don't understand, I have to express or explain more and uh give more communication uh skills and verbal skills and, and to to help get my point across. All right. Uh, that's that's funny because I was just talking to my daughter earlier today. She's 13 years old, and she said something to my wife and I, and couldn't really understand. I was like, "You need to enunciate your words correctly so I understand what's coming out your mouth." And I realized I'm like, "Okay, you don't be crazy, Dad. Don't don't do that." So she's still a baby. She's 13, but you know, it's you got you got grown right. But uh, Pierre, I, it, this has been an awesome experience for us, man. Really happy that you joined uh, the pod tonight. But we have one closing question for you, and it's kind of not kind of, it is actually 100% tied to Jay Gruden's recent interview on the Kevin Sheehan podcast. Are you aware of it? Did you hear of it at all? Oh, man, I was there. I know what happened. Okay. okay. <laughs> so you know what I'm teeing up right now then. We, yeah. as fans, Kirk Cousins against the Eagles, mm-hmm. got, a, got a chance to score. He kneeled the ball, and for years, I'm like, this guy is a goofball. And then listening to Jay Gruden – 
you know, a couple of weeks ago, he said, Hey, we, we actually wanted Pierre to run a fade and Pierre did not want to run that route. So I, I want to know, do, do you actually hate running fade routes, man? Listen, I, no, he said oh, back shoulder fade. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. we're not good at back shoulder fades. Like when you're running a back, you like you, Technically, you don't run a back shoulder fade. The quarterback just throws it back there and you, you know, you adjust because, you know, that's how football is. You adjust. I was like, coach, let's run the fade. And if he throws it higher, he throws it. I'm going to go get it. But let's not try to do a harder play because a fade is easier. Like if you throw it to the back of the arc, or, or I'm going to give you some insight. Our thing is to throw it to the back pylon. And if it goes out of bounds, it goes out of bounds. Nobody can intercept it. Mm-hmm. If, he, if I catch it, I catch it. But we're like, a back shoulder fade is like, hey, keep the defender in front of you, and he throws it on the back. And if you're not running as a receiver, defenders know you're not running. So they're yeah. not going to run. And they have the back pylon as a defender, another defender, too. So I'm like, coach, that's not like, let's – and I'm like, Kurt, so fade instead of, you know, instead of, you know, the back shoulder just, just changed the mindset of it. You know, it was a lot of miscommunication. I'm like, oh, like, you know, and then Kirk, Kirk was a young quarterback. Yeah. Which is saying one thing, I'm saying one thing, you know, players, you know, at the end of the day, players, you know, we 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 talk. We're like, hey, I feel this. Do it. Yeah. Kirk got nervous. You know, it's not Kirk's fault. It was just miscommunication in in, in the spur of the moment. And <laughs> If you guys only knew what happened in the locker room after tell that. Us. Tell <laughs> us. Everyone's gone. Well, tell us. Nobody's there anymore. Yeah. won the game, but it was, it's, 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 it's like any family. There's, a, there's always discussions and disagreement. Jay Groom's the head coach. We should have ran the play. I should have never told Kirk Nathan, but, you know, me running the play to get covered was never really like <laughs> a smart thing to do because we weren't we weren't good at it. Yeah. Like, like if, coach, this is like you know, like Kirk, like throw the fade, and then the worst thing scenario is that it goes out of bounds. I'm but not gonna let him pick it off, but it, I'm not gonna like, let him. But if it's a back shoulder fade, I can't really defend a back shoulder fade yes. because I'm never really running fast to stop and and. and it was a lot more complicated than yeah. we wanted it to be. Yeah. But, you know, why, why make a very difficult play, the fade, even more difficult with the back shoulder? We, we never really, that was a, we never really put in, we never emphasis or put in time to like get good at a lot of stuff, which yeah. kind of like was the downhill of, because we had a lot of good players. It was just, we never really practiced on getting good on things. We just tried to, catch teams by surprise or do something that, you know, they didn't expect us to do, or just let one of our great players beat them. You know, it it wasn't like, Hey, let's get good at this. Let's get good at this. It was just like, Hey, all right. Such and such is good at this. Let's do it. When the defendant, when the defense catches on, let's figure out something else and let's just do it. As a fan base, we never expected fade that year, that, that, genre we never expect to fade we, we never practiced we never, it. We, never, yeah. we never got good at it we never really we never really took advantage of it but you know it's, it's football you're gonna have to call things that you're not good at too as well and you just yeah. have to do different stuff but i was like kurt throw this kurt yeah. was you know kurt didn't want to go against the coach yeah and you know 
Was the play the play that we watched? Was that a called fade, or that was a specific route that you ran? I mean, yeah, it was a route. It was called. It was like, hey, they're gonna bite on this, and yep. if he bites on it, it's gonna be wide open. They did. Yoke yeah, Thur- yeah. You, you yoked Thurman. Let's not forget that. <laughs> I, you know, it, it was it was man to man coverage. When those are easy coverage, when you know it's man to man coverage, you just got to beat the guy in front of you. You know, yeah. it, it's. And it's how they played. It was a scheme. It was, it was, we know that because we ran that same play at a different um, year that we played them and it was a different DB and they got beat by the same one. And it was a, it was a touchdown catch and I slipped and fell you know, on the back of the end zone going the other way. But it was a year, a couple of years later, it was, just, it was, you know, it was what you draw up against a team that you know. Gotcha. Oh, definitely. That, that, that's, that's good clarity. So ladies and gentlemen, you, you heard it from the man himself. Like we, we have clarity on what Gruden was talking about, but that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's a, Gruden's a big fan of the back shoulder fade because he had AJ green in Cincinnati and they were and Andy Dalton and they were throwing back shoulder fades and it worked for them. And he tried to make it work in, in DC. I don't think we ever completed. Uh, we probably completed one or two. <laughs> I think so, man. It's all yeah, good. Well, though. <laughs> yeah. But you know, on a deeper level, <laughs> on a deeper level I, I i knew what was going on and, and, and you know there was confidence in there and that we were just trying to just actually just change the wording of the play instead of the whole play yeah <laughs> uh, that, that's that's what's up man but one thing we do in the addicts podcast before we close out we always we always give a, a shout out to folks so I'm, I'm gonna kick it off and then kind of go around the horn but I want to give a shout out to uh, your 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 talent director Janine for helping set this up, man. Obviously, Pierre, to you as well. Um, it, it means a lot, you know, being being a, a Redskins slash Washington football team pod. Uh, there's a lot of us out here, and I'm pretty sure we're all trying to scream to get guests done and, and talk football. But it's a passion; we love it. So just shout out to the community, shout out to yourself and Janine, and you know, shout out to Speed Aid Compression as well, man. So definitely looking forward to testing those out. Um, yes. You know, and uh, I have to send it to your military buddies too, so I can get uh, authentic feedback from different different people, so that I can uh, perfect the product, so that we can uh, you know help out in the local area, especially in DC too, man. No, I definitely appreciate it, man. And Steve, you got any shout outs, brother? Hey, I just want to thank Pierre for coming on. Um, it, it, pleasure, was, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you guys, man. I love what you guys are doing, man. You guys are real fans, and that, that's what that's why we love playing in DC because everybody's talking about football. It's a football town. So we we love playing for people that love watching football, and I love going hard, especially, you know, throughout the BS you go through during the week, and then on Sundays you just can't wait to just put it out there on the field against a defender that, that doesn't know what's coming to him. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> Bill, you got any shout-outs, brother? Yeah, I mean, just saying, me a shout out to uh, you know we get we got a legend, we got we we got a, a a legend in our lifetime on our podcast, and you know somebody who uh, you know I remember I remember you know everybody was talking about oh we drafted RG three blah, blah blah I remember in 2012 being the guy saying you don't realize we got Pierre Garcon from the Colts I was hyped that's I our number hyped. one <laughs> my boy my boy was a huge is a huge Colts fan whatever and like he was pissed. When you came to us, and I was like, "Hell yeah, we got PG eighty eight, baby, let's go." And <laughs> We're eighty five for the Colts, but yeah, it, it, was, it was. I was definitely hyped, definitely hyped. Man, I was more excited than anybody. Man, I was like DC. It was between DC and Minnesota, and I'm glad I made it to DC instead of Minnesota. Man, it was. Uh, I was. I was ready to fly out that same day. 
<laughs> I, I didn't I didn't go back to Indy for for none of my stuff. Like I was already just I was in Ohio. Ready <laughs> I got to go. the million like, smile, I baby. I didn't I didn't move out. I didn't move my stuff. I was ready to go. It was, it was it was the perfect it was the perfect yeah the perfect perfect storm. Everything came together, and I was so excited. And and Kyle Shanahan was the one that gave me the first call in freezing when that opened up. So. Tell you what, Pierre. I mean, maybe, maybe the franchise needs to bring you on just to, to market the team to other players. What you're talking? You know, <laughs> tell these free agents, man. Coke, go to DC. You want to know what's funny? I was trying. I, I gotta holler at Dan because I've been trying to holler at Dan um, about some business, but you know, you know, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed my time in DC, and I and I and I would love to see DC uh, the Washington football team win because you know they treat you well. You you play hard. You know, it's all love. Like, hey, just play football. Don't worry about nothing else. <laughs> just play football. You gonna everything else will take care of itself. And we miss you at Eastern Motors, Paisanos, Co-Fi, man. We we, we miss you, bro. Friends, I, I, miss you. I miss it too. Trust me, I miss it too, man. I I, I had a great time in DC, and uh, I need to come back soon. I need to come back. I'm a, I'm a, I got a couple shout out, shout out to the back shoulder fade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. Hey, um, shout out to Dev, one of the, one of the addicts here who couldn't be with Absolutely. us tonight. Um, and, and shout out to you, man, because you coming on here, our kids think we're celebrities when we talk to professional football players. So <laughs> tonight, when they wake up in the morning, I'm gonna tell my daughter to talk to Pierre Garcon. He was cool and he gave us a lot of good insight, man. So much love yeah, and appreciation yeah, to yeah, you, brother. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Really appreciate your platform, man. Yeah, and Pierre. So we, we start with you plugging just one more time. Can you at least direct folks to the name if you got a website, Amazon, whatever, for your Speed A compression socks again? All right. This is Pierre Garcon, PG88, always 88. Um, please, uh, I would like to thank you guys, Washington Football Addicts, for supporting me throughout the years, even after my years in D.C. Um, help support my brand. And I'm starting um, Speed A Compression. Um, our first product is Compression Socks, but we will grow. We're looking to sponsor different um, teams in the D.C. area, different um, organizations, different events. I love doing events. Uh, you know, I love giving back. I love being part of community. So we're looking to sponsor, looking to grow and looking to, uh, you know, give you guys a great product that uh, you will benefit from um, all my orthopedics out there. I had to meet up with a lot of foot doctors in D.C. So uh, hopefully they give me a shout out and uh, give me a chance to put my product in their um, office. No, absolutely, man. Hail to that. Appreciate you. Yes, brother. I appreciate you guys.